Drill, baby, drill. He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. And welcome. Welcome to a Friday, October 28th episode edition of The Elephants in the Room. Hello, everyone. It's It's been a long week. I was thinking today, like, Oh, I think I can walk the dog with Max in the morning before I work tomorrow. And then I realized tomorrow is Saturday. So that's kind of week we're having. This has been like four weeks in one. Yeah, four weeks in one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we're here. Uh, we're queer. We want to get married on the ocean. Okay. <laughs> can that's you a, that's tell a arre- listener what the heck that's from? That's an Arrested Development reference. There's a show on Arrested Development. There's a show called Arrested Development. The first episode is the first, the pilot episode of the show, absolutely one of the most funny things you'll ever watch in your life. And one of the beginning scenes is there is a protest at the local yacht club that um, they're not allowing gay marriage uh, on the water. So that the local gay activists are protesting the yacht club because they want to get married uh, on their yachts and the yacht club won't let them. That's the kind of show it was. It's very, very off the wall funny. So that's what that's is that about. my blouse? It looks better on him. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, welcome to the show. This is the kind of show it's going to be, by the way. It's going to be very loose. It's going to be very light. <laughs> There's some structure to it. Don't get us wrong. Um, you know, what a, what, what, a, what a morning of news. So many things are happening. So wake up. And we find out that the Pelosi residents in San Francisco had not just been invaded, but that Paul Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi's husband, I almost said wife, Paul Pelosi, the world's greatest investor, right? He knows, listen, you become the world's greatest investor when you have your wife write write the laws, right? When you have your wife writing the legislation that impacts companies, shockingly, you become a financial mastermind. Amazing. Amazing how that works. What a genius. No one's ever seen it before. <clears throat> Putting that aside <laughs> about the Pelosi's ill-gotten gains, and they're all ill-gotten, by the way. They're just basically thieves. Um, and he's also a drunk. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, and um, uh, and so he uh, was the unfortunate victim of a home invasion, and not just a home invasion, but what seemed to be like a complete buck-kicking by a guy with a hammer. Right? Not a good scene. Not a good scene. Our first thought was, why doesn't he have a gun? And we realized he's an idiot liberal. Why would he? Uh, but, but also, can you imagine the story if Nancy Pelosi's husband had a gun and he shot someone? Right. That would have been the best. That oh. would have been the best headline. That would have been wild. You'd have to, you'd have to bring him in jail, right? Uh, well, self-defense. Self-defense. It's only but self-defense I don't know if, if you're it, a liberal. I don't know if that counts in San Francisco. So no, I, don't I don't think it does. 
I don't think there's a standard ground law in San Francisco. I think you, I think you have to sit there and get your brains beat in with a guy with a hammer until the police show up, if they show up, if they want to show up. That's not always going to be the case in San Francisco. Um, but anyways, uh, so that was the, the the big story of the day, and it turns out kind of what we thought it was going to be all along, which was that this is an incredibly mentally unstable person. Um, there, no one's really rushing. I mean, there are leftists, of course, that are going to rush to claim politics, but you know, even like Chris Hayes on MSNBC, he's like, let's pump the brakes here. Republicans don't have a monopoly on violence. Let's just look back five years ago to where a Bernie Sanders supporter opened fired on Republicans <laughs> on a baseball field. I don't mean to chuckle about that, but like it is true that in these situations, it's immediate to jump at, oh, you know, oh, they always, they always do this. This is always the other side. And no, no, no. Like we, we, we know everyone, well, not, not everyone, but people with critical thinking abilities, i.e. those of us outside of the media, so those of us who have critical thinking abilities know that there's no race, religion, political party, creed, what have you, that has a monopoly on jerks. <laughs> no one has a monopoly on jerks. Okay? Jerks are everywhere. And this guy was a nudist jerk. Of course he was. A nudist drug addict jerk from Berkeley, Pennsylvania. Or Berkeley, Pennsylvania. <laughs> got the World Series on. Berkeley, California. And... um. You know, everyone who knew him was like, this guy's insane. He thinks Jesus is the Antichrist. He, he, uh, a woman who he used to work for, he was a house sitter for her, and she cut off contact with him because he was a nutbag, um, said that he liked to use biblical references as justification for violence. This is not a sane and stable person. This is not someone acting politically motivated. This is someone who's motivated by the voices that are in their head. This is someone who the mental health, who somewhere along the way, someone failed this person. Whether he wasn't diagnosed with what he obviously is afflicted with, whether he had you know a rough childhood and never had that structure, whatever it is, some point along the way, someone failed this person. And they were have been allowed to flounder about society until this kind of a violent incident. And that's the troubling aspect about this. The troubling aspect about this isn't that there's political violence, because there's always going to be political violence. If you are a famous person, if you are a known person, unfortunately, as someone who used to work for a very, very, very prominent individuals, death threats are part of your life. It's, it's scary. It's scary, but it's real. There have been times where we were like, uh, are we safe? Are we safe as production staff? Because of the things that liberals would write into the show. Like, what if these people found out who we were, where we lived? And I don't really like talking about that stuff, but because this comes up more and more regularly in the news, I think it needs to be said that this is not... that. that I, I just don't know why it has to be said, but... This is something that is not exclusive to any group. But the, the, the larger part of this is, is more about how we have failed to... Well, I mean, honestly, you could take a look at this. If you really want to take a 
thousand foot view on this. This is another indicate. This is another story of where America has failed its men. And we could spend. We could. We could. We could. We could record for an entire week, nonstop, talking about how over the past couple of decades there has been a war on men in this country. There's been a war on boys. There's been a war on boys' educational attainment. The default to deal with a young child, a young boy, who isn't doing everything that society says he should be doing is to just drug him. Put him on Adderall. Put him on Ritalin. Put him on something. Calm him down. This is something that we are going to be dealing with more and more of as a society as men continue to be left out of mainstream culture and are being removed from the workplace slowly, slowly, slowly because there's no tolerance anymore in America for Understanding that people are different. We like to claim, and this is liberal corporate culture in a nutshell. Bring yourself to work, right? Bring your whole, Bring self, your whole to self to work. We want a diverse workplace. We want diverse people. We want diverse experiences. We want diverse ideas. What they do not want are diverse personalities or diverse opinions. They do not want that. Corporate America does not want that. The university systems in the country do not want that. Nothing that you could point to that you would say would be controlled by the liberals want people who are disruptive. And you want to know what, by and large, young boys are? They're a little disruptive. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that that's the real thing this, 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 the more and more I thought about this story, the more and more I wondered, one, you know, and it seems like, and, and, and we get to talk about this because it seems like Paul Pelosi is going to be okay. He had surgery today. It seems, it's a very serious situation. This is an 82-year-old man who got attacked by a 42-year-old man, man who is wielding a hammer, right? He had surgery today to help repair his skull. This was a significant trauma that Paul Pelosi experienced. For me, I always like to wonder what led up to this. What caused this person to act out? How can we prevent other people like this person from doing this in the future? How do we prevent this from happening? And the consensus is getting rid of the bad orange man is not going to remove this problem. No. It's not going to remove it. And so that's what I've been that's what I've been thinking about. And it's really I mean, in all honesty, this attack highlights the failures of the social programs in Northern California and specifically the Bay Area to deal with people who are having a mental health crisis. They spent Billions, with a B, billions and billions and billions of dollars on this problem. 
over the past five, six, seven, eight years. And all it's done is create a completely inhabitable part of San Francisco in the Tenderloin. And it's because no one in the liberal world wants to say, hey, look, you know, this person, they don't want to stigmatize anyone. They don't want to say, hey, you know what, this person, they're not really fit to be out here in the public. They just, they let these people go out and be themselves because they see that as caring. When it's the opposite of caring. It is the opposite of compassion. This is the thing that we talk about so much on this show, how liberalism is the opposite of compassion. It's the opposite of rooting for your fellow humans to succeed. Because it's an inherently negative ideology. It's not optimistic. It's negative. Right? Someone has something, we need to take it from them. Who thinks like that? Who, well, why would you think like that? Would you want someone to come take your stuff? No. Why would you? This is why people lock their doors at night. This is why the Pelosi's have a security system. Right? You don't want people breaking in and taking their stuff. And that's why we're seeing in this time in America where things aren't going great for a lot of people. The past three years have been extraordinarily hard on wage earners and specifically the lower middle class and the lower class of this country. The past three years has been extremely hard on. For those of us who have been blessed enough to be able to ride out this storm, continue to be employed, maybe even get a promotion or find a new job and get a raise that way. This didn't happen for everyone. And the Democrats have never and will never realize that their policies are temporary fixes. Mm -hmm. they're, not even te they're not even fixes. It's just a temporary, we care about you. But people have caught on to this game because gas prices continue to rise. Eggs at the grocery store, still expensive. Still three times what they cost earlier this year. And I don't need to lie like Joe Biden. Joe Biden the other day claimed that when he got into office, gas was $5 a gallon. One, Wrong. this is a man who hasn't filled up a tank of gas in 50 years. So how the hell would he know what the price of gas is, number one? Number two, there might be, it's, it's, it's such an easily refutable statement that he made. His press secretary didn't even try to defend it. Just messed up. Like, yep, you read something wrong. They're done defending the guy. They're done defending him. Because everything that comes out of his mouth is the complete opposite of the policies that he has put in place or he advocates for. I don't think there's been a more hateful, less caring president in our lifetime than Joe Biden. And I mean that, Jack. Right? I don't think there has been. He took every single possible terrible policy idea after COVID and implemented it. And all he does 
outside of implementing terrible policies is continue to push this racial nonsense that's tearing this country apart. It's all he knows how to do. But the great thing is Americans are waking up to it and they are rejecting Democrats across the board across this country. Carrie Lake's going to be the next governor of Arizona, folks. Blake Masters is going to be the next senator from Arizona. Nevada, we're going to win. Florida, they've already admitted, Democrats have already admitted defeat in Florida. North Carolina Senate, it's going to be ours. Oklahoma governor, we're going to keep it. All these battleground races that have popped up. We got a shot at taking down Hassan in New Hampshire now. A shot at it. Maybe. If our candidate stays disciplined enough. Because I was reading an article today. I want to start going through the polling and start going through all of this. We got Walker up three in Georgia. Kemp in Georgia, governor, up nine. Zedlin, margin of error, New York. He, we might take the governorship, governor in New York. That would be wild. That would be wild. Would they actually reduce taxes? <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably not. First poll after the Pennsylvania Senate debate, Oz up three. Oh, yeah. St. Paul had Shapiro up eight in the governor's race. And this is what we've been talking about, folks. You know, everyone wants to kind of try to make some sort of giant. T- they, they, national figures are going to cherry pick local races and say, well, this person won because they said what I said. This happens all the time. National people want to take credit for local wins when they had nothing to do with it. Happens all the time. All of these individual local races take on their own environment. They take on their own story. This is—it's a wonderful thing because the, because we get all of these different things that we get to look at and, and analyze. And of course, you're going to get the the stupid postmortems from the political committees on, oh, we should have done this, oh, or we should have done that. No, the reality is, is that you've got, you have to, you have to organize on a local level to make sure that the base of your party, the people who show up to primaries, are nominating people who can win a general election. Right? You want smart, competent people who aren't going to shoot themselves in the foot every time they open their mouth. That'd be good. Yep. Or Or give their opponents openings and openings and openings to take shots at them or have such a shady track record that there's not really a lot of positive ads that you can write about them. Every race takes on its own dynamic. The only thing you can do is look at each race individually. And I don't think there's been a more fascinating race than the Arizona governor race. Because today, this was the first time, and this is the closing argument, we're, getting, we're, st- we're in the closing argument phase. I work in, I, for those of you who... Without a library. No, well, no. I actually, this is not a library. For those of you who don't know what I do for a profession, I work in marketing. And specifically, I work in performance marketing. And we know, based on the research we've done, the studies we've done, the testing that we've done, that for message saturation for video, you need about two weeks. It's about two weeks later when you start to see the results coming in. You start to see brand lift numbers, brand awareness numbers. You start to see uh, conversions coming in, people more and more. You're starting to see people 
you're starting to see search volume lift. People are searching for things because that message has now finally resonated enough. You know, it doesn't take, you can't show an ad to a person one time and expect them to understand the message. You have to show it to them six, seven, eight, nine times. You have to figure out that frequency. And part of what I do in performance marketing is understanding that frequency to make sure that we're not hitting people 30, 40, 50 times because those impressions have no value. That's just wasted money. So, but, 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 the, but the point that I'm making is that now that we're, we're starting, we're within this now 14-day period. We're close to the 14-day period. Crunch time. Crunch time. It's closing argument time. And this is the time where you need to start putting out your closing message in order for it to properly resonate with the population. In order for the message, what we call saturation. Proper message saturation. Carrie Lake has unleashed her closing argument today. Well, she's unleashed it a little bit this week, but the big closing, but the, her big closing argument is Katie Hobbs is a racist. At the end of the day. Well, I don't know if she's behind those ads. Well, it's the well, it's endorsed by Carrie Lake. If you look at the bottom oh, of the it ad, is? it's the Yuma okay. Republican Party. Okay. Why don't you explain to everyone who Lake. doesn't live in Arizona? So this is what happened a couple of years ago, and I want to make sure that I get the details right. So this was in... Uh, So this was in 2015 um, when Katie Hobbs was um, the Senate Minority Leader in Arizona. And on her staff, she had a woman named Tolonia Adams. Now, um, Miss Adams is a black woman. Yep. And she went to Katie Hobbs and said, hey, look, I found out that my male coworkers are making more than me. I found out my white coworkers are making more than me. Uh oh. I'd like a raise. What year was this? Twenty fifteen. Mm. Instead of giving her a raise, Katie Hobbs fired her. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Um which I mean It, they, when I saw the ad, my first thought was, or when I started looking into the story, that like, I don't know how much this is racist, just idiotic, right? I mean, for me, I don't know how much race would have played a role in this. This is just someone who's a bad people manager. This is someone who had a person on their staff point out an issue of discrimination for it to be rectified. And Katie Hobbs said, you're fired. Not only is it a bad management thing to do, but like you're in politics. Right? How do you not see that this is going to come back and bite you? How? Like, How? Oh, you want more money? Well, we can't pay you, so I'm going to fire you. Like you're being disruptive. <laughs> Anyways. What happened was, so this went to court, obviously. This woman's like, obviously. you fired me? You fired me because I asked for a raise? I don't, f and, be, and the reason for my raise because, was because of discrimination that I uncovered in the workplace? I don't think so, Katie. All right? I'm taking your, I'm taking your butt to court. And guess what happened? 
The second largest payout in Arizona history on discrimination was handed to Ms. Adams. $2.75 million with an M. So this actually went to court? This went to court, and the jury convicted Hobbs. Like, how? Like, she is Not the most... Not convicted Hobbs. I shouldn't say that. But they found in favor of Adams, they found that there was discrimination. She is the most incompetent... Correct. ...stupid politician mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Like... Yes. This is what all we, true. This is what we like to call on the golf course compounding errors. Yes. Very good use of the term. Oh, Very good use of the term. This is compounding errors. This is someone who um it seems like every step of the way in their professional life has proven themselves to be an incompetent. But they have adv- they've they failed upwards. Some people fail upwards. It basically only exists in politics. But in politics you fail up. I don't know how this works. I, I've never understood this in my life. But everyone who works in D.C. politics knows this for a fact. We don't understand it, but you fail upwards. Once you succeed, people hate you. They don't want you to be around. But if you're a failure, people want you around. It's like NFL owners. You want to know why the NFL owners haven't kicked Daniel Snyder out of their club of 32? Because they've got a team that they know every year they can kick the crap out of. Why would you want a competent owner in your division when you can have an idiot running a club (laughs) into the ground and you get to beat up on them twice a year? You don't want that, right? That's why you want that, right? And for some reason, politics lives in Washington, D.C., lives in this weird world where there's no such thing as collaboration. It's like us against everyone against everyone. I don't understand it. That's why I left it. It's not fun. Politics used to be fun. It's not fun. Except I talk about it and think about it and read about it all day long. So it's got to be something. (laughs) Jen Psaki told by Pennsylvania mom that the economy and jobs are the biggest voting issues. Quote, not the answer you wanted. Did you see this today? So what on, is Jen Pas- so for so oh the White the House former White House press secretary Jen Psaki now has a show that no one watches on MSNBC mm-hmm. a channel no one watches and she dragged some woman from Planned Parenthood action or whatever and <laughs> to Braddock Pennsylvania town of John Fetterman yeah this is a blue collar town where um you know the residents haven't had a great three years. No. Haven't had a great three years. It's unfortunate. These are good salt-of-the-earth people, but they haven't had a good three years. So Jim Psaki and this woman from some from Planned Parenthood are dressed to the nines. I mean, they've got, you look, <laughs> both of these women have outfits that cost more than the monthly rent to the people that they're talking to. Perfect. Right? Women of the people. Women of the people, for sure. And um, and so they asked, they kept peppering this woman, you know, what about, you know, what about abortion? What about abortion? And um, and she goes, so, you know, she goes, as a mother of four children, the jobs, they say that all these jobs are out there, but they don't want to pay you enough for you to actually live off the jobs. So, you know, I'd like to, I'd like there to be, you know, more jobs available with the flexibility to be able to actually work and take care of your family. I'm sure that's not the answer you wanted, Rivera said as the conversation drew to a close. 
In a post-trip write-up by Saki, the MSNBC host noted that Rivera was not alone in her position, recalling that the economy and healthcare were topics that frequently came up in conversations she had with potential voters. As James Carville famously said, it's the economy stupid. And yet he continues to be on the side of the party who cannot get the economy going ever. There's a great book that him and Begala wrote back in the day. Mm-hmm. I've got to look it up. But they wrote some good stuff together. Because CNN's Crossfire, that was a, that was like, I want to say like religious appointment television for me mm. growing up. Right? I mean, that Crossfire was the best. Yeah, old Tucker. He had Novak on, Bob Novak. And you have Pagala and Carville. Crossfire was great. And I got to see Crossfire live. They came to Exeter. They Didn't did Crossfire they used to live film from at Exeter. GW? They did used to film at GW. It was yeah. one of the reasons I wanted to go there so I could watch Crossfire every day. And then they got rid of it. And they got rid of it as soon there. as I got there. And I couldn't go watch Crossfire every day. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I, I like, I'm not, no joke, 40% of the reason I went to GW is because I could watch Crossfire every day. Well, thank God you met me because it just would have been a complete waste it of time. It would have been a complete waste of time if I didn't <laughs> meet you there because I wasn't able to watch Crossfire. All right. Um, we, we moving on to our food segment or you had something else you want to cover? I have so much that I want to cover. Oh my goodness. I have so much. Can that it I wait until cover. Monday or do you to... need to cover it today? I don't think it can cover. I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be covered today. I do. Um, I just want to hit on a couple of quick things or I, I want to hit on, I want to hit on one quick thing, just real quick. Okay. So this is just Arizona local news, but it's got national story because there are people who are watching the drop-off boxes. Mm. Poll watchers. They're poll watchers. We've been poll watchers. Mm-hmm. We did poll watching. It's a completely legal activity. Both parties do it. Both parties organize people to do this. Go and make sure as a citizen that what that the election is, is being run properly, that the voting process is being run properly. Yep. And so what are people doing in Arizona? Well, we have drop-off boxes where you can go and drop off your ballot. So naturally, because of what because of what we saw in Arizona, where we did have a case yeah. of ballot harvesting that was prosecuted and convicted in Yuma County. Do we is it against the rules to drop off more than one ballot? I don't know if don't it's know. against the law to drop off more than one ballot. Okay. However, however, that would raise my suspicions. If you're dropping off a stack of ballots, that's darn suspicious. That's suspicious activity, and this is what people want to catch. They want to make sure that whatever you want to say about ten thousand mules or two thousand mules or whatever the hell that movie was called, this is democracy in action, folks. This is people who have a concern about whether there is integrity in their election and they are taking legal action on their own to ensure the integrity of the election. Something that Katie Hobbs will not do as Secretary of State of Arizona is make sure that these drop-off boxes are being properly monitored so that there's no nonsense going on. You know, the fact of the matter is, you know, when you have got 40, like we talked about on our last episode, you got 40 days to vote, that's 40 days for people to goof around and do stuff. 
It's not good. It's election day. It's not election week. It's not election month. To take Carrie Lake's line. And so the liberals are all incensed about this. You know, there are people camouflage watching them. They have people have guns on them. You can carry in Arizona, by the way. You can carry. I can open carry. Carry my gun wherever I want. The only people who would find it weird to see someone who is not carrying a gun in Arizona are people who don't live in Arizona. Also, like, what is the big deal about dropping off a ballot and having somebody there? If who you cares? go vote in person, there are tons of people there. Who cares? It's intimidation. It's intimidation. You remember 2008? I want to flash back to everyone. 2008, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What did we see at an election site on election day? We had sites patrolled and guarded by the Black Panther Party. Armed, standing outside, not doing anything, just quote-unquote monitoring things. The media celebrated this. But when Republicans do it, it's voter intimidation. So is that the only article? Or I thought you were going to tell me they fa- they caught somebody dropping off a ton of ballots. No. It's just they are... It's just the media going, I can't believe this. That, that people would be doing this. It's a joke. Absolute joke. Anyways, that's what I wanted to touch on. Okay. That, that the media is so afraid that the Democrats won't be able to pull one on us again. And we're actually finally watching. So I thought for our food thing, we were going to do Halloween candy, but I actually want to do that on our Halloween episode next Monday. Next Instead, Monday. Instead, what about what do you like to eat on election day? Election Day, my Super Bowl. Yeah, this is Max's Super Bowl. This, you're talking about this. That like, I have like, I have like this. This dude circled. You know, I, I swear, I might call him sick to work. Like, I can't work today. I'm just watching Fox News. I'm going to drive around. You know, I don't like going to any. I've never done an Election Day party or anything like that. Oh no, that's wrong. I went to the one in D.C. You weren't in D.C. for the 2012 election, and I went to the. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I was probably at a conference. You were at a conference in New York, and um, uh, I got invited to the Heritage Foundation party. So I went to the Heritage Foundation party. Or no, Cato. I went to the Cato Institute party. It doesn't matter. Anyways, <laughs> they had Chick-fil-A and great bourbon. Um, anyways, yeah. So that was fun. Um, um, that's the only time. Um, but generally speaking, my uh, election day tradition, um, starting this started in 2004, was fast food. Yeah. So 2004, um, when I was in high school, one of the founding members of the Republican Club, um, our big thing was we would get Burger King for the meetings. So we got Burger King. Every meeting? How many times did you meet? Once a week. You had Burger King once a week? Burger King once a week. Oh my gosh. No. You have Burger King back. Yeah. Well, yeah. But anyway, so I had Burger King on uh, 20, 2004 for Bush. And then 2008 for McCain, I had Big Mac. Got Big Mac. I think I got a couple of Big Macs. Um, and I wore my Bush Country shirt that day, the McCain day. And um, and uh, it was cool because I. It's one of those elections where you knew what the outcome was going to be. You kind of hoped it wasn't going to be. You kind of knew what the Obama was going to beat McCain. 
So liberals were kind of friendly about it, but this was still back in the era where people weren't, oh my gosh, you're on the other party, I'm, I want to stab you. It was, oh, it's chat, you know, because everyone's working in D.C. and everyone's in D.C., and um, it's not that offensive. It used to not be offensive to everyone. And uh, I had a shirt that had the, the map from 2004, the county-by-county county map that Bush won. And people were like, fascinated about it, you know, like on both sides of the aisle. They're like, they're like, was that the map from the last time? And I was like, oh, yeah. They're like, what's that broken down by? And I'm like, this is broken down by county. They're like, not even CD that's broken down by county? And like, they're like, whoa. Um, this is how nerdy DC is. Okay. Anyways, Back so fast food. food used to always be, and then uh, and then we started our election night tradition of pizza. Yeah. So I teed this up for Max because he's very into getting pizza on election night. I don't have a tradition for eating any kind of food on election day. This is purely a Max thing. Um, and we almost never order pizza. In fact, we were talking about it, and we were like, when was the last time we had pizza? Probably a year ago. Um, and we haven't had pizza here in Arizona yet. So we're going to have to find. So if you have tips for the best pizza places in Arizona, you can email us. Please let us know. Or find us on Instagram. I believe our, hold my, on. My only caveat, my only okay. caveat to that is I don't want any of this thin, floppy, artisanal pizza where, you know, you say there's going to be meat on it and all sorts of toppings. And you get like one topping per piece, you know, because it's about. Max ex- likes very Americanized ex- pizza. Pe- I like American. We're gonna end everything. up getting Domino's. I just I'm know sorry, it. I'm sorry. I'm an American. I like American things. If, if you're, you're a pizza Nazi out there <laughs> on the left coast, I'm sorry. That's not pizza. That's not pizza. That's not pizza under any definition of the word pizza. That's not pizza. So if you have a recommendation for pizza in Arizona, give us a shout at e i t r p cast at gmail.com and we will consider it and we'll consider it i mean unless the menu has artisanal pizza and then max is not going to be down for that we'll be eating it so make sure it's hearty you know all right oh he wants to keep going i just want to say <laughs> joe's new york pizza new hampshire i don't know if they still make it but they used to make a pizza called the meat pie a pound of meat per slice that's disgusting Pound of meat this is why there there are fat people in your state. This is that is why. That's out of control. Well, it gets cold there. You need just, you need some insulation. No. Okay. Don't send us recommendations for that, please. If that exists Find in Arizona, I don't want to know about it. Find me the meat pie. No. Okay. We will see you all for Halloween. Meat pie. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. <laughs> <laughs>